welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Wellington, New Zealand, I'm Dave Wood, and joining me from Devon, England, is Dave Knott. So you've um, unexpectedly had a bit of a, an Apple Watch upgrade. You're now on a Series 5? That's right, yeah. Yeah, for the uh, last couple of days now. Do you want to maybe unpack that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, so unexpected in the sense of, um, essentially, we, we had um, an insurance claim because my wife managed to, to break her Apple Watch. Um, amongst other things. And um, I'm not going to talk too much to that, but the insurance came through and her Series 0 Apple Watch was replaced with a Series 5 on our like-for-like policy. So it's quite good fortune, except that after a week of not having a watch, she kind of went, do you know what? I'm kind of over having notifications on my wrist. I really don't care. Um, <laughs> so I received the the replacement instead. Um, so yeah, my series three is on the bench and I've been enjoying the series five for the last couple of days. And you haven't had the three very long, have you? Not at all. No, I only only updated that a couple of months or so ago. Um, so it feels a bit weird actually. Certainly hadn't expected to sort of have a shiny new toy on my wrist so soon. And actually after the, the three, the edge to edge and slightly bigger size of, of this five sort of feels quite different actually. Um, you know, it's lighter and the, the edge to edge really sort of opens out the screen. What size have you got? Uh, the 40 mil. Um, cause I don't really get on with massive great watches. So the, the 40 mil kind of is the, the right model for me. I was on the, um, the 38 mil series three. Um, so it sort of feels like it's, uh, in line and with that. And you've got strap compatibility, haven't you, between the two? Yes, yes, I do. Um, yeah. So that's cool. I, I've took the Nike uh, band that I had off the Series 3 straight over to Series 5 as well. So that's that's quite cool. So I quite like it. So what becomes of the Series 3? Unsure at the moment. It may well be uh, may well be sold on, to be honest with you, because, yeah, my wife's really not interested in having an Apple Watch. Uh, certainly not right now. I can kind of relate, to yeah. be honest, um, because... I've um, been being a little bit precious about my new MacBook, so much so that whenever I use it um, for anything that's going to be an extended period of time, I take my watch off. Okay. Because I noticed with my old 2010 that on the left-hand side of like the palm rest, um, the corner of the device was starting to get scuffed. Right. Which I think is where part of the buckle on my strap was just constantly sort of grinding away at it as I was just using it, you know, typing. And I thought to myself, prior to the 16-inch arriving, I definitely don't want that to happen on the 16-inch, especially as I guess it being space grey, it's going to be more susceptible to scratches than a silver would be. Yep, certainly might might show them more. Yeah, and obviously it's it's still like the new shiny, so I'm being ultra protective, but I am taking my watch off every time I use it, and I'm forgetting to put it back on, and I'm not missing it. It's so funny, because with the, um, the Series Nought, I think it re- has reached a stage of being so um, inert in a lot of ways in what it does, um, in, from that combination of its uh, lack of speed and um, sort of being stuck back on, is it WatchOS 4? Yeah, four, I think, yeah. Yeah, um, so for me on the Series Nought 
before the three, I certainly felt like the it was. Um, I still wore it. I still enjoyed having it, but it was used once a week for for park run uh, to track my run uh, with with Strava, and that was literally just to sort of give me the um, the kind of heads up display of my my current speed and stuff um, because it's really um, the phone that was doing the heavy lifting of location and stuff like that. Um, and then otherwise used for notifications. So I've had a bit of a journey through through the Series 3 in a sense of that is so much more functional in terms of it being faster. Um, and, of course, you've, you've then got uh, the latest watchOS, and I've found um, that the, the built-in apps just seemed a little bit more slick. Um, things like... Uh, controlling music and stuff like that was working a lot better on the, the series Nauta, which struggled to catch up. Um, yeah. So my now playing would sort of lag. Series 3, not so much of a problem. Still a little bit at times. Um, but it was definitely the right upgrade for me at the time. And then the Series 5, what I've found is that it is very slick in terms of the speed. Um, like I said before, the screen is kind of sort of feels like it's opened out a little bit more. And um, the thing that the now playing is is even quicker, so that sort of feels like it's working as it should. What I've found is that it's kind of renewed my enthusiasm for apps a little bit, though, with, more so than, than the Series 3 did. I'm not really sure why that is. I, I kind of feel like it's probably to do with the, the slightly more immersive screen. Um, some apps sort of feel like they make a little bit more sense on, on the Series 5, um, just just they have a bit more room to breathe. So, I don't know. At the moment, there could be a halo here where it's kind of, it's the new shiny. You know, and there's, there's that sort of thing, and I am playing with it a bit more and, and checking stuff out. Um, still a whole vibe of, of limited utility at times. I think it's one of those things where, like, you, you don't need it. You know, I, I could not make an impassioned argument to somebody as to why they absolutely should have the apple watch but if you've got it it's you know a wonderful device and um what i'm what i'm certainly sort of finding is that it's making me think about um small apps small apps to solve specific kinds of problems um that are then just immediately available because they're on your wrist and you know you can just flick and it's there sort of thing mm-hmm and I think if you've got the right use case of small app, as, as an indie developer, I kind of feel like this this is a bit of a um, it's a bit of a untapped seam in some ways. Every, every now and again, I've had ideas over the last couple of days, and when I've gone to check out what's there in the app store from the watch, I've found that there may be like sometimes I've found there's no apps in that niche, and then you check on. Um, on iOS on on the phone and there are apps on the phone they're just not serving watch users Um, so that's interesting I sort of feel like as an indie there's an angle here of this sort of um, yeah there's this niche market but that for the people who are there if you've got the right app you could probably make some reasonable sales um, just because it's it's kind of like the early days of the phone in a sense, in that you've got this you know nice new shiny, and you want to find things that make it more useful. Um, 
so yeah i think in the last couple of days it's sort of renewed my enthusiasm for watch apps because i feel a bit more like i'm sort of exploring what's there and and, and that sort of thing so yeah as an indie i think this is this is uh, a potential you know added value as well if if you've got an existing app that you're developing uh, for for the iphone and any part of it sort of makes sense to have on the watch it might be worth thinking about yeah, it's it's interesting hearing you say all that. I it makes me wonder if I don't know what I'm missing out on to an extent. I feel yeah. like my opinion on the watch has soured. Oh, well, maybe soured's not fair. I just don't really feel into it. When, yeah. when I first got it, I thought it was cool. Now it is very much well. It's a watch, and I check the weather, and sometimes I'll adjust my volume, but then I get angry because. You turn the crown, the UI doesn't update, then all of a sudden it updates, and then you've got your AirPods blasting at full volume because you turn the crown too much, <laughs> and then you've got right. to turn it down. Uh, it's not it's not great. Um, Some of that would be solved by upgrading. I imagine it would, yeah. yeah. Um, the dilemma is, is what else would I do with it yep. other than it fix the things that arguably it should already do, but just doesn't do very <laughs> well? Yeah, I don't know. I've got I've got ideas for watch apps, or rather, the app I'm already building. I've got ideas of how the watch could play a role. Yeah, but again, do it. I'm probably not going to be able to develop with my Series Zero. I'm guessing I haven't tried, but I'm no. guessing that's off limits at this point. Unless you want to use WatchKit and support back to to uh, WatchOS four, then oh, of course, no. yeah, it's on WatchOS four, isn't it? So yeah, it's completely off the table. Yeah. So that means then, do I have to upgrade my watch? Uh, do you want to buy a Series 3? <laughs> Does it have free shipping from New Zealand? <laughs> At the right price. <laughs> but then it's, it's kind of like, if I'm not careful, I'm going to end up buying all this hardware for an app that may not ever really be much of an app. That sounds really pessimistic, doesn't it? Uh, I don't I don't really feel confident <laughs> chucking all this money in like I need to buy an iPad so I can test out the Apple Pencil then I need to buy a new yeah. Apple Watch so I can you know before you know it you spent hundreds of pounds on hardware um, on the off chance that somebody might on, on the buy off chance it. this app might catch on but yeah you know if my past experience is anything to go by <laughs> so that <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't be up. that wouldn't be the greatest of, of bootstrapping kind of decisions to spend a load of money out on the the gamble of something that is probably quite um, uncertain in that way. I, yeah. That, yeah, that would be below my my kind of risk radar. But I sort of feel like if um, if you were going to have the watch anyway, or like I say, if you've already got the app out there and, and people are sort of either asking for a watch app or you can kind of see the obvious sort of niche with the app that you've got, then I reckon it would be worth, you know, picking up a Series 3, for example, um, just to sort of do the um, do the development uh, and, and, and take a look. But even then, you could develop in the simulator and, and have other people test it for you if, if you sort of found something that wasn't going to take, you know, all day for you to develop and added a load of, of sort of extra complex functionality. You know, if it's something fairly simple, then... Yeah, you could probably develop it that way and just see. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the way to go to start with, isn't it? Yeah. So, to bring this back round to what you're up to, yep. you're working on an Apple Watch app idea? 
Yes. So, long story short, um, changes to my app Go VJ last month have not panned out as, as greatly as I hoped at all. Um, in fact, at the moment, I'm, I'm actually wondering whether to switch things back to uh, paid up front <laughs> because it's just, yeah, it's not worked. So, um, that's probably a story for another time. Uh, yeah, it's next week's show. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So, anyway, that's one side. I've I've kind of reached a bit of a, okay, well, I really don't want to hack on that project right now. I just want to bench it. And I've had this idea for a watch app for probably like, maybe a couple of months since I got the Series 3 some, or maybe just before. But essentially it's a, a running app idea and there's tons of running apps but there's not one that, that really offers this, this specific view of, of your current running speed um, that, that I would like to have. So um, I, th- I think there's something there in terms of the, the idea of what I'm trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, but equally I've had a play with... Uh, I've had a play with a demo uh, app from Apple's developer resources um, called Speedy Sloth, <laughs> which delivers back um, workout data and, and gives me kind of some of what I would need um, to power this app idea. And I won't say that, like, looking at this, it just looks like I can just change a couple of labels and I'm done, but it does. <laughs> it kind of puts me in the area of, of my idea. And I'm pretty confident I can get a prototype together over the next couple of weeks. That's pretty rapid. Yeah. Um, I mean, to, to that point, I've got a project already started and I've started kind of laying things out and I know I've got the data coming through. So, yeah, it, it, a prototype feels possible. Yeah, what, I, what I'm looking at at the moment is just kind of thinking, well, should I use SwiftUI rather than, than stick with this this um the demo app is is WatchKit, and that's kind of onboarding me into sort of watch development. But I'm looking and I'm sort of going, yeah, there's some limits here. I can't actually see how I can make the UI that I want in WatchKit without a lot of extra sort of padding and messing around with sort of layouts of things. So I think I'm running straight into the arms of Swift UI <laughs> just to sort of get things um, the, the way that I want them to be because uh, it, it sort of feels like WatchKit is actually quite limited. Yes. I mean, it's been a long time since I've done anything with WatchKit. Um, yeah, I would almost view SwiftUI as your ticket out of not having to deal with WatchKit. Yep. Because I think it's uh, fair to say it's not not got the greatest of reputations, right? No. And, and I think after having been immersed in SwiftUI sort of a fair bit over the last couple of months, there's an element of like, I just want to keep going. You know, yeah. I, I don't want to sound too much like the sort of Swift UI convert, but I guess I am in a lot of ways. And it's just a case of I was getting to a stage of feeling quite fluid with Swift UI on other projects. And going into a new project, I just want that. So, yeah, I think that that'll be me kind of um, going back to my sort of template project um, that I've got going on at the moment that's in. Uh, in WatchKit, uh, watching the WWDC video about SwiftUI and the watch, and then probably just going full pelt and laying it out with uh, with SwiftUI. That's cool. That's cool. That'd be um, yeah, that'd be quite an interesting journey, I think, for you to yeah to go sort of end to end on a on a watch app in SwiftUI. 
that'd be quite interesting to see what see what you find because it's going to be things surely that you come across um just as part of the part of the journey i know i've come across a load of stuff just on ios yeah um lots of little gotchas and things that you just you know would never have expected um so i'll be interested to see how you how you go with that what i'm interested to see as well is if i can bring my um my architecture that i've used on ios over to the watch um with without it sort of hitting too many edges um so that's a an mvvm uh, mm-hmm. kind of app architecture and there really isn't any reason why i can't generate um the same modules for, for the watch um and then at the top level it's all just hosted in um i think it's a, a wk hosting controller um right. so like it you know like we have we have a um, UI hosting controller for um, iOS and macOS through Catalyst. Um, so, yeah, I sort of feel like I can probably use some of the same architecture, but there's going to be one or two other sort of small trade-offs, um, which is going to come in the uh, in the sense of how WatchKit navigates. I think sort of through its yeah. uh, through its views, so laying out things in in such a way that um, you're able to have interfaces where you can swipe through left to right on the watch with the sort of paged interface and yep. things like that. I'll probably hit one or two bits um, where I need to consider things like that in the architecture, but I'm not too worried about it, to be honest with you. It sort of feels like, because the nuts and bolts of the architecture doesn't care about anything other than Swift UI um, and its own thing um, in terms of sort of defining coordinators and things like that. I should be able to transplant it, so th- that's going to be fun. Just yeah, I'm just I'm just fascinated to see what what you're going to stumble across that you're currently not expecting to stumble across because I feel like there'll be something. There's bound to be something. Um, I think even if it's plain sailing, and I sort of you know pop out in a couple of weeks, and I'm like, yes, I've got my prototype, and it was awesome. Um, I think that's still a story in its own right. Um, if if that is the case. Because the, the sort of early days of Swift UI, you know, it kind of feels like those stories are, are the exception in some ways. In in that certainly the stuff that we've been doing you know, back on iOS in the last couple of months, and and for me on macOS as well, there's always been a a hard edge somewhere. You yeah, know, this with Swift UI. So I think one way or the other, there's um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, either where those edges are or if if it's completely plain sailing yeah i feel like i've almost gotten a bit better with swift ui i always used to approach problems in the sense of can this be done in swift ui yes or no and i think that was maybe too too uh too a simplistic way of looking at it because like really i think the question should be can i do this in swift ui Whereas I would approach it as, can this be done in Swift UI? Like, is it possible? Yes or no? Because Swift UI, maybe it isn't just because it's Swift UI. But what I've come to realise is a lot is possible. Yeah. Um, you've just got to dig in, basically. And sometimes it's not all obvious. I feel like in, I think I said to you in Slack last night, I, I need to almost get better at Googling because I had this problem that I've gone from pillar to post on. And this whole time there was a blog article that explained the whole thing and gave me exactly what I wanted. And it just took me 10 days to find it. Yeah. Like, can you believe that? <laughs> 10 days. Yeah, I can. Uh-huh. I can because, yeah, sometimes it just ends up like that when you're chasing after a problem. Um, but uh, take, take me through the issue, actually, because I'm kind of curious. 
Well, I think we briefly touched upon it last week. Um, it's that I wanted to have my table view sort of be inset. Yeah. So um, it's a group table view. So around each group, there's a sort of bit of left and right padding and obviously top and bottom padding around it between each each sections, each section within the table. So I started off by, um, I said about each row in the list had a sort of custom view in it that I made, which made it look like a little, uh, like a little bubble, I guess. And then I had the issue whereby the arrow that indicated the detail would appear outside of that. Yeah. And yeah, I, I went around and around on that, trying to find various different hacks and got nowhere. Um, and it turned out it was, it was the most simple of solutions. I probably should write a blog about this. If you set your list style to grouped on in SwiftUI, it won't by default give you that kind of inset view. Yep. Unless you, it's a bit of a hack, you set the horizontal size class to regular through uh, the environment. Okay. So basically you're saying even though you're in a compact um, horizontal size class on a phone in portrait, this little hack says, but you're really in regular, so display your table view with it inset. Yeah. It kind of goes against the HIG. Yep. Um because I think it's like, well, if you're on a compact device, like a phone in portrait, you probably want all the width you can get because that's what's at a premium. Therefore, don't do this. Yeah. I mean, I've been chasing after this look for, for days, weeks now, <laughs> among other things. I've not just been solely doing this endlessly for the last two weeks. But um, now I've achieved it, I can kind of see their point. <laughs> it makes me feel a bit stupid. <laughs> like, why didn't I just... <laughs> I don't know. I've gone backwards and forwards on it. I do like the way it looks. Yeah. Um, but I'm worried if someone was to have like an iPhone SE and load it up, it'd be yeah. like, oh, this really doesn't work, does it? Could you um, could you kind of flag for that in terms of um, potentially even just using a geometry reader inside of the view to sort of say, okay, if I've really not got that much space, then do the, do this? Yes, I suppose you could. But then I, I think just that alone makes me think, even for the slightly bigger phones... Should I be doing it the default way? Yeah. Because um, it's kind of like Swift UI expresses an opinion, really, on how things should look. I think that's kind of the point of it, isn't it? Is that it's yeah. declarative. And then Swift UI, being the master chef, goes off and builds you a UI because it has quite a strong opinion on how a UI should look. And I think maybe I'm maybe fighting the wrong battle with this one. Maybe yeah. I should go back to the standards. And then just little things like... I added the functionality for editing the table view. Yeah. Whereby you can sort of drag and reorder um, your, your rows. And I thought, okay, that's fine. Except when you pick one up, you kind of have a top and a bottom shadow around the one that you've picked up. Yeah. But there's nothing on the left and the right because it's clipped by the inset, the way the list view is inset. And that just looked a bit odd. And I tried it the other way and it's like yeah okay that looks and feels right when it goes edge to edge yeah um so just little bits that you come up against and they're not they're not deal breakers it's probably me just being really pedantic about how it looks so yeah it's just made me sort of question whether i should have even been trying at all all this time whether i was chasing after something that i just shouldn't have been chasing after um mm. one of those things that when you see it it's like ooh, is it yeah. better the other way but it's also uh, it's, it's like seeing it is is when you use it 
as well because like that that example you just gave of the editing mode you wouldn't be able to see that until it was on a device or um or, or in the simulator or whatever you, you you know that that interaction wouldn't have been so immediately obvious um, yeah. sh- straight off of the design page um yeah because when, when i mocked it up in infinity designer i was like oh this looks great but of course when you actually get it onto a device it's totally different yeah there's really no replacement for just running it but I, I think it's been interesting that you've been able to um, to make it happen in the way that you did, and you know without having to have a lot of additional overhead of um, of kind of forcing your design in some other way. You know, like embedding everything, pushing things out from the side, or doing whatever with a, a sort of mess, a stack of, of different views. Um, yeah. It's been interesting. You were able to sort of find it with just that sort of you know that one little just- hack. One little line of code. Yeah. Yeah. So everything else is as clean as a whistle, really, in terms of the code. It's like there's no messing around with Z stacks and putting this under that and fiddling around. Um, It's all sort of as clean as can be, which is is nice. I do feel ever so slightly like, and I think you may have even said this to me, that the rug could be pulled out from under your feet with this one. Yep. Yeah, that would be my main concern. From Apple's point of view, in like Xcode 11.5, this may stop working (laughs) or, or, you know. Yeah. Which again, all the more reason to go back to the uh, the sort of standard, the standard way of doing it. So, yeah. yeah, I've got some thinking to do on that one because there's pros and cons to having it, um, especially as I go to add different sections to the list. I think they're more obviously visually separated when they're in this style because they're sort of grouped in their own little group. And yeah. Yeah, like I say, there's, there's so many trade-offs. Um, not certain either way at the minute. I'm glad I've managed to make it happen. Just almost, you know, like I've uh, <laughs> I've come through victorious. I I got what I wanted out of it. It didn't beat me because I thought for a minute I was like, this is I'm going to have to put this idea to rest and just be like, yeah, it beat me. I couldn't do it, but I've gotten through it, so I'm pleased about that. Yeah. Um, I just need to think about whether uh, whether it is the right decision. Like technically, I've done it, but is it is it the right decision? This is all. This conversation has all been in the context of the phone, but of course, yeah. when you run it on an iPad or a Mac, kind of looks like uh, next to because obviously you got the the master on the on the left, which is obviously where this list is, and then the detail on the right doesn't look quite right when you've got a big sort of wide detail view next to it. When it's just isolated on the phone, it passes. I think. Yeah. But there's something it doesn't look quite right on on the iPad. So, yeah, I mean I this is this is all uh, all part of it, I guess, isn't it? Going backwards and forwards and experimenting and um, yeah, 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 for sure. I think it's legitimate to have um, slightly different implementations of design between the platforms. Uh, so, yeah, certainly between iOS and, and Mac OS, I think um, I've I've got that in my prototype that I'm building for for my video mixing app. Um, I've got a couple of things that like, um, just as a, for example, on iOS, I've got a curve on the kind of panels that are in the UI. Yeah. Um, because it's got this sort of like, yeah, this sort of lozenge kind of panel based UI. And that makes sense on iOS where the, um, the device is curved and the layout language of, of, of everything else sort of has this, this kind of curve to it. Um, yeah. on Mac OS, I'm not 100% sure, and actually, um, 
it's so far what what I've done is I've got um, that radius is codified in a, a, a central um, a, a central struct and um, so that's like a sort of theming um, object of sorts um, so the views read their corner radiuses from that that central place. And that central place, I've also got um, an, an if statement that sort of goes, you know, okay, if I'm on Mac OS, uh, I don't have a radius, return zero. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of cool. And what I've sort of noticed with that is it feels better to me so far when I'm testing the, the Mac OS version than it did with the curve. So I think if you sort of find those kind of, um, <laughs> yeah, those edge cases, but I'm... Um, then I, I think it's um, I think it's reasonable to sort of switch um, and have that kind of you know if I'm here then I look like this if I'm there then I look like that and I think if it's just sort of small tweaks like that then I think that's reasonable because that's not really me you know doing anything drastic to the way Swift UI lays things out um, it's still going to take whatever decision it needs to take to sort of lay things out it's just that when it is you know, finally reached that stage and it puts it on the screen, that specific aesthetic of of the curve on the edges is is not there for for Mac OS. Yeah. And I think that's probably where I'll land with this. Um maybe sort of keep the look as it is now on iOS. And I think on the iPad, especially the iPad Pro to an extent it works, because again, like the whole design language of that device is sort of curved corners, the screen, the, the you know, the, even the frame of the device. Um but then, like you say, Mac OS doesn't feel quite right, does it, somehow? Yeah, and I, and I mean, I'm looking at the, the things on my screen at the moment, and um, one of the apps that I'm using right now is Audio Hijack, and that's got curves everywhere, um, and has this sort of, like, quite, um, yeah, quite curved kind of uh, thing to its UI, uh, which makes sense for what it for what it does. So I think it's one of those things of, like, you know, it's not. There's no hard and fast rule here to sort of say, okay, if you are on macOS, it's got to look this very, you know, certain kind of way. But I think it's legitimate to sort of say it might need to look different to, to iOS. I think it just needs to look a little bit less iOSy, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a tough one to describe. It really is. Um, yeah, I think I just need to just to keep keep going with it. Really, I think I'll probably stick with what i've got on ios and live yeah. with the very minor trade-offs um probably only me that will notice it anyway um, but, um i think on the mac it just yeah I, I need it could just need a little bit of tightening up a little bit less sort of bubbly and roundy uh, and i think i think i'll be there with it then Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button, that will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads. That's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com. Again, that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore DaveNot.com.